0: Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Mark. And together, we're the Scene Shifters. It's the name of our band and also the name of our podcast. We're still trying to find our way in the world. So we're talking to our friends and fellow creators to find out how and why they do what they do. Today, our guest is Tim Simmons. I have known Tim Simmons since 1989 or something like that. Wow. And yeah, yeah, we've been friends for a long time. I've known Tim as a musician. All this time, he's a musician, he's an educator, uh, he's a parent, he's an, I mean, he, he is a parent of children, but he's also a parent because we can see him clearly.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: apparently. <laughs> yeah, so, Tim, what's, what's your musical journey like? How did it start?
1: Uh, um, well, I mean, I'm a drummer. So, I mean, it, my musical journey is like most kids who taught themselves to play an instrument, right? Right and so, like, as a kid, I wanted to play the drums. My parents didn't think it was a good idea for me to play the drums, so I just started doing it on my own and taught myself how to play um, and started playing in bands um, and so for years, that was basically what it was was I was just this dude who played the drums, you know a kind of good you know <laughs> and You know what I mean? Like, but didn't have really any technique, couldn't read music. I was just, like, some guy who taught myself to play the drums, you know? We had Um, the same path. Same path. And so, and then, um, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, in college, I think I started, Mark, you probably remember this. Like, I started wanting to take music more seriously in college, and that was when I, like, I, I really started actually practicing And, um, when I was in college, I would play for like four hours a day. I mean, I was like really, really, really obsessive about my practice and about improving my technique, but, you know, technique is not musicianship. Hmm. And so I, you know, I think I got to be a, you know, in my mid twenties, it's funny. I just recently found, a bunch of old demo tapes that I made with other guys from college and like we were pretty good. I I mean, like I expected it to be horrible (laughs) and you know what I mean? Like I was like, Oh my, I haven't heard this stuff since I graduated college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that's a long time ago now. I mean, I focused a lot on technique and and playing technical music and playing it really well. Um, And then it wasn't until years later when I had been teaching for a long time and, I, and I, I realized that I had reached this point in my life where uh, I was an English teacher for a long time. I taught high school English for almost 25 years. Um, but I, I realized probably about 16 or 17 years ago, I was turning into one of those dudes who used to play the drums. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like when I was a kid, I played the drums and I played in a bunch of bands and it was cool. Um, but that was really like the most important thing to me as a kid. Like it was the, it was the only thing I cared about. Like I spent hours a day learning how to play 21st century schizoid man (laughs) And, and learning like every, like I can play every Zeppelin album cold. Like it's in my DNA. Do you know what I mean? Like I learned how to do all of that stuff. And it was the, it was like, it was like who I was in my deepest core was this was what was important to me. And so then I realized, well, like I'm losing sight of that. I decided to start playing more. Basically, it was how it started. I decided to start playing drums more, started actively pursuing kind of getting back into bands. And then I found uh, music for people. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I ended up. Well, actually, let me back up a little bit. One of the ways I decided I was going to make drums more of my life, like how can I do this more, was I decided that I was going to start teaching kids how to play the drums. And I was teaching at this inner city high school in Philadelphia. I decided, you know, I could, I I mean, I've been a teacher for a long time. I know how to play the drums. Why don't I start teaching these kids how to play the drums? So by this point, I had gotten wise to the the importance of taking lessons. I'd taken lessons for a few years. I'd learned how to read music, so I knew a little bit more just because I was interested and so I decided to start teaching kids to play the drums and that was like kind of the turning point that was where I realized you know if if I can teach if I can do this teaching full time then then I can be doing what I really want to be doing with my life as part of my job, and I don't actually have to change careers yeah. So then uh, I ended up teaching where I teach now and um, starting kind of a small music program just kind of on the side. And that was where I I started looking into ways. I work with students who have learning differences, primarily dyslexia, ADHD, executive function disorder, auditory processing delays, mostly language-based learning differences. And I started looking into, you know, what are some good ways to teach them music? And I stumbled upon improvisation as a good way to work with kids who have learning differences. Also realized that there were no music curricula for adolescents with learning differences. It was just people tweaking things that had already happened, but nobody had ever actually made something specifically for kids with learning differences. (laughs) So on that kind of journey towards exploring improvisation, that was how I found Music for People. Music for People is an organization that um, trains uh, musicians therapists, educators, artists to facilitate others in improvisation. And I did a four-year training program with them called Mm. Musicianship and Leadership. And it was in those four years that I learned how to play a bunch of other instruments besides the drums. Mm. Um, And essentially, the techniques that I used through improvisation to teach myself to play the instruments that I play and to create the music that I create now became the techniques that I use to teach music to my students. And so the music that I create is me just practicing what I preach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so since that time, music has become all I do all day long. The music program where I teach has, has grown. It's become, that's all I teach now. I teach that full time. I've created a music curriculum, so this leads me to kind of where I am now, which is the first recording that I did, that I released on Hungry Hour with Mark, uh, Seraphine, started out as really, I, I was looking for a way to, like what's a way to kind of teach music that's kind of true to who I am and um, uses a lot of these improvisational techniques. Because I was an English teacher for so long, I decided that storytelling was a good way to get into a lot of these techniques with my students, that that was a method, like telling stories and analyzing stories and then applying them to practices in the classroom was something that I was familiar with, more familiar with than like best practices for music education. And so I decided, well, what if I wrote some stories and um, taught these stories, and then to use these stories as a way to lead into these improvisational techniques around music. And so, um, so I, the first story that I wrote was a story called Seraphine Learns to Sing about a young girl whose mother dies and um, she learns to sing as a way of dealing with the grief of losing her mother. And so that story became the impetus for kind of giving me an arc or a sequence for creating uh, a curriculum for working with young children with learning differences and teaching them how to play music. And we read the story and we do these games and we kind of lead our way through. And so I thought it would be more engaging if I created an audiobook of the story that the kids could follow along with. So a friend of mine read the audio. Her name is Kathy Justy, and she did an amazing job. And then I decided that it would be more interesting if I wrote some music to be like in the background. And so that was initially, Seraphine was initially just these little snippets of background music that I had created. But then it like took over my life. Um, And I spent like two years writing these songs and recording these songs uh, that ended up becoming Seraphine. Um, and Seraphine is just the music from the audiobook without the narration. Um, and actually I've been trying to think about if, if I should try to release the audiobook at some point.: I not see why not? Yeah, really. I mean yeah, it's really Anyway, um, but anyway, so that's kind of how I got to. I mean, it really started out as like I was just this dude who played the drums, and, and then remembering that I liked playing the drums, and how can I make this part of what I do every day? And it just grew from there. You know that 's a long story, I know, but
0: that's all right. You made a career of it, yeah, you know, and i 'm yeah. very partial to the song of the Wolf, by the
1: way, so yeah, you know what 's funny about that song is I hate that song no. <laughs> and and I recorded that song, those guitar parts. I recorded that song in like most of the songs I spent weeks and weeks and weeks on just doing takes and like recording and recording again and recording and recording again and recording. That one I did in maybe 15 minutes and was like, all right, and then intended to come back to it and then never came back to it and then decided to just keep it. And have always thought like this is a piece of unfinished work, and when I play it for my students, inevitably they're always like, "That's the best song on this whole thing."
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like
0: it That's at how all. it happens. That's how it happens.
1: <laughs> like, like you're
0: like this is junk, and then the next thing you know, it's on Spotify, and everybody's list. <laughs> that's one of my songs is that way. I'm like, I'm just gonna throw this one out, and boom, it's the one that's like played the most. Does it's weird. Yeah, it's funny. It I mean, there
1: must be something about the spontaneity to it. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> then when you do that, you always just feel like, ah, yeah, I got to do that again.
1: I know, and I keep hoping that something like that will happen again. You know what I mean? Like I've been working on all these new songs, and I keep thinking like maybe this will be the one that just happens. Yeah, but they never do. I spend months. Oh yeah, I hear you. And t- <laughs> <laughs> it takes forever. It takes forever. It doesn't. <laughs> Mark, I always think of something you said to me years ago. Okay. Do you remember I was going to teach um, the Grievers? Uh-huh. And I asked you before I taught it, I ended up not teaching it, but um, I asked you, well, what do you think I should tell my students? Like, what's the core thing I should tell my students? And you were like, be sure they know it took me five years to write this book. <laughs> like I didn't just write it. That's the story I use a lot with my students when they get frustrated that they can't just do what they want to do. Yeah. Nobody can.
0: No. Yeah, exactly. You think you have it in your head and then you go and put it down and you're like, wait a second. That's, that's not what I was thinking It was crap. Yeah. Yeah. What is your, what is your process like then, Tim, as far as uh, going from just kind of inspiration for a song to the, Finished the, the finished product the the recorded product.
1: Um, so one technique that I use, and I use with this with this with my students a lot, is called one authentic sound. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that all music begins with one authentic sound. And if you can make one sound, then you're beginning to make music. Um, and well, let me if you can make one sound that authentically says what you're trying to say in the moment then you're beginning to make music. So what I will do a lot is start with one sound, you know, and just stay on that sound for as long as I can. And just to see like, what's the sound that feels like I'm feeling now. And then I will add a second sound. Like once I have one sound that like, this really feels like what I'm trying to say, Mm -hmm. then I will add a second sound. And then I'll add a third sound. Um, open tuning on the guitar really helps with that a lot. Like as far as technique is concerned, I use a lot of open tunings. Um, I will experiment with a lot of weird tunings. Um, and, you know, when you tune a guitar to like an open F chord or whatever, or dad-gad even, you um, You know, you don't have to know any chord shapes. You can just put one finger down and then strum all six strings and get these really wild chords. You know, so lots of times I'll start there, like with kind of like an open tuning and one chord. Um, And then I'll just build one note at a time. The other thing that I do is, so once I start there, usually I, I have like a folder that I keep where I make Little movies on my phone or on my computer of just song ideas, mm-hmm. um, and I'll just say like you know it's August twenty fifth. Uh, this is the tuning. I'm at capo four. Start at fret number two, and it sounds like this. And I'll play like maybe two seconds, uh-huh. of an idea, you know. And so I have a folder with like hundreds and hundreds of those movies. So like a good like ninety five percent of them never get used. Sometimes there's like one melody or melodic idea that just keeps rising to the top. You know what I mean? And it just sticks. And usually there's about like when I'm like actively trying to write there's usually one melody that sticks. And I, I I keep practicing, and I do my practice techniques. I play scales. I practice other songs that I know. And 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 until that melody starts to emerge, that I just keep playing. And then mm-hmm. I go from there. And there are some that, you know, sometimes it's like a little snippet. There's another song that, I, that I've been working on. So these new recordings, this new set of recordings that I want to send out is called... Um, Transforma Light Returning, mm-hmm. and the song Transforma Light Returning is based on like this suite of songs that I had written. The main like kind of core melody for the song was one of those like this little riff that I had for like three years, that every time my guitar was in dadgad, this was just what I played. And I oh, kept cool. saying like, one of these days I'm going to do something with that. And it just kept coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. And so when something keeps coming back, then I know, like, this is, I'm going to pay attention to this. What's the name of the album again, Tim? It's called Transforma Light Returning. And why is it called that? Uh, because I had this riff. The song Transforma Light Returning is based around this riff in Dad Gad Tuning that I played for years that had no title. And um, my daughters were always asking me, what's that song called? And I would say, well, today it's called you know? And, um, and then I had a dream, uh, where I was playing that song and my wife said, what's that song called? And I said, transform a light returning. And right as that dream ended, I woke up cause I had to go to the bathroom and I can remember like going to the bathroom and being like, what the hell kind of name is transform a light returning. Yeah. And then being like, no. I don't, it's the stupidest name I've ever heard But there's something about it I just like
0: Things it's really- happen in the bathroom
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I can remember being like That's the name of that song Like, And also like This is so stupid But like listening to my dream self like mm-hmm. if Myself in my dream says it's called This facakta name transforma a light returning Then uh-huh. that's gotta be what it's called Because that's like my subconscious speaking You wow. know So, so there's a colon in there too. It's transforma colon.
0: Did, did you hear that in the dream?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. what, I colon? did. I knew it had to have a colon in it. Isn't that weird?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> so, so yeah, so interesting observation that Paul McCartney uh, had a dream and he got yesterday, and you had a dream and you got transforma light returning.
1: Yeah, I th- I think Paul McCartney's the more.
0: I I don't know. Maybe this. <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> This could be your yesterday, but that's yeah, yeah, an album yeah. name, right? Transformer Light Returning is the name of the album, not the song. Yes.
1: Right? Yes. Yeah, well, the song... Well, So the song is a suite on the album. It's three parts. Yep. There's "Transforma Light Returning 1, 2, and 3.
0: Oh, very Rush of You.
1: Yeah, it's very prog. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. The other reason that I, I think in my dream I went to that name was because... Um, I had kind of settled on this name, Solstice Suite, okay. I, the original parts that I had written, I wrote over Christmas break once, and so I had just been calling it Solstice Suite. So then I played with those ideas, like in my in my journal, um, for different titles, and and one of those titles was like I was playing around with images of dark and light. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that's I think that's why in my mind, I thought and, and like that change over from darkness to light. Yeah, yeah. And, and I tried to write some lyrics That were playing around with that idea So I was thinking about metamorphosis Change and that's where I think that Transforma light returning came from
0: Yeah I mean it, it gives it I like it, it has a, a kind of a cool Almost like an Arthur C. Clarke 2001 A Space Odyssey kind of vibe Or something like that And yeah. I've been reading a lot of Philip K. Dick lately And it just has this sense of You know some alien intelligence Returning to earth or something like that
1: Yeah yeah, there's something cool about it, and I can't quite figure out what it is. But I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, if I want to really geek out, like this actually, this suite of songs, I'm, I'm actually really proud of it. Because okay. um, I feel like I, I sat with, this is probably one of the songs that I've sat with for the longest. Um, I mean, it's really been, I mean, a couple of years and then in quarantine, like what to play. And like, I just decided like, I'm going to finish this thing. Yeah. If it kills me. Um, and I feel like in, in, in part, part one, um, it's, it's very kind of pretty and there's this extended piano solo. And I, I really happy about the piano solo. Um, and I, I played around with different modes, which was something that I hadn't really done in soloing before. Mm-hmm. um, And so, um, you know, I really got into kind of playing modally. Um, And then um, in part two, it kind of changes keys and becomes almost like this like reggae feel. Um, And I did some lap steel. I was really happy with the lap steel um, because I'm not usually happy with the stuff that I play on lap steel. Like Song of the Wolf is all lap steel um, and felt like I didn't like it, you know, but I felt like this came out the way I wanted it to and then and then in part three shifts back into the main theme but um in a minor key and so it like takes it to kind of a darker place but then resolves in a major key it was kind of neat I mean it was I, I felt as far as my process was concerned it was probably the most technical and advanced I'd ever gotten
0: It also sounds like, um, I mean, it, it really in some ways explains the title or at least explains why the title fits because obviously Transforma sounds like, you know, obviously changes and then light returning, uh, the fact that you go from major key, go through all these different modes, then kind of slip into a minor key only to return to the major key. It's It it fits that idea of the light returning, don't you think?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that was why it was kind of weird, like, you know, 3 a.m. taking a piss going like, oh, my God, like, I think that's the title of the song.
0: Yeah, it's just perfect.
1: And then the other the other piece, the piece that Mark made the video for is called There Will Be Magical Things. And um, that is a whole other. I wanted to create something that was similar to Seraphine that was based around a story. And so um, so I had this idea of uh telling a ghost story hmm. through music and I, I landed on there will be magical things as a title because it's about um all the things that happen while you're asleep
0: It's, it's a cool name, too, because it really is evocative. And when I was working on that, the animation for it, I just really thought it was a, a cool phrase. It's almost, there's something very hopeful about the fact that it's a future tense statement. You know, that like there will be magic, magic is going to happen. It's almost like a thing you will, I imagine telling a child, you know, there will be magical things that happen to you.
1: And as a teacher who works with kids, I feel like my role is to bring positivity I really just, I want to say something positive.
0: Our guest today, our first guest, our very first guest on the scene shifters podcast has been Tim Simmons. Tim, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great having you on.
1: Thank you guys for having me. This was really great. It was really great to talk to you guys.
0: Absolutely. Good luck with the show. And thank you. And we're looking forward to putting out transforma light returning. Our guest on today's podcast has been Timothy Simmons to hear more of his music Check out HungryHourMusic.com slash Timothy Simmons or look up Timothy Simmons on Spotify. Thanks for listening to Scene Shifters.